0: Well good morning, I will try to follow that act. Um, I did hear those songs during the weeks and uh, enjoyed them for my own children. When I was uh, when I was uh, 15 years old um, my dad bought me my first car. We lived in Nebraska so I could you know drive before I was 16 and um, to school and um, so he bought me a, a 1970 Pontiac Le Mans. And uh, I just thought it was the hottest car. It was so cool. Um, and I spent some of my own money to fix it up a little. We put a little cassette player in it so I could actually play cassettes. Um, and it, only later did it, did it mechanically fail me in the most miserable ways. But at the time, it was a great song, a great, a great car. And uh, about that same time, uh, the rock group Boston came out with their third stage album. Um, and um, so that was uh, played excessively out of my car. One of the songs that, uh, that was on that uh, album was uh, To Be a Man. And uh, the, the, line, the main line that was rhetorically asked through, asked throughout the song was, what does it take to be a man? um uh, one, uh, one of the stanzas goes, answers the question, the will to give and not receive, the strength to say what you believe. The heart to feel what others feel inside, to see what they can see. And this morning, that's a uh, somewhat obscure uh, introduction to my uh, message this morning, which is um, uh, examples of godly manliness in the Bible. We're going to look at uh, two examples, um, both from the lineage of Jesus. We're going to look at Boaz from the book of Ruth. And we're also going to look at Joseph, the, the earthly father of Jesus. So if you want to kind of put markers in your Bible we'll we'll be in uh Ruth chapter 2 and we'll also be in uh the first chapter of Matthew uh when we get there. I've given um, I've given each man Boaz and Joseph a kind of um a little summary phrase that that describes what they that describes what they did um Uh, in in the Bible and for Boaz we'll start with Boaz Uh, chronologically he comes first so uh, Boaz in the book of Ruth Boaz noticed and he responded he noticed and he responded I'm going to give a a brief summary of the book of Ruth we're not going to for time's sake we're not going to go into every little detail but to sum up um, Elimelech um, and Naomi were a couple that uh, that had two sons, and they they during a famine in Bethlehem, they moved the family to Moab, a neighboring uh, country uh, east of the Jordan River. And and there, uh, their sons married Moabite women. And then all of the men died. Elimelech died, and then the two sons died. So here was here was Naomi stuck in a foreign land with two uh, foreign daughters-in-law. Um. The two, uh, the, uh, only Ruth, follow, or Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem. The famine's over. She's got nothing in, in Moab. So she goes to, back to her home in Bethlehem. And uh, only Ruth uh, is stubbornly faithful enough to follow her to, to uh, Bethlehem. And that's where we're going to pick up the story uh, in Ruth chapter 2. Uh, there was nothing for, for them to, to, there was nothing for, to sustain them. Uh, at that time, there was no organized uh, welfare system or unemployment benefits, um, but there was something, there were some traditions that allowed for people to make a living. And, and for, for Ruth, who would be the breadwinner of the family, or of, of the family that consisted of now of her and Naomi, she was going to glean after the harvest, harvesters, um, in the fields around Bethlehem. It was the barley harvest at that time, and so Ruth went out, And um, um, it just so happens that uh, she ended up in Boaz's field. Uh, Boaz notices this uh, young Moabite woman. And so uh, in verse 5, he he says, uh, Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And the servant goes on uh, to tell uh, Boaz what that, Naomi, or that Ruth wanted to, wanted to uh, glean and, and um, follow after the, the harvesters. Boaz welcomes Ruth and says, Please do harvest in my field. Um, stay here. Don't go to another place. Um, if you're thirsty, drink this water. Uh, and Ruth was just uh, overjoyed. She says in, in uh, verse 10, She fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight? that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord re- reward your work your, and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Boaz, um, Boaz rewarded Ruth because he knew about the faithfulness that Ruth had shown to Naomi. So, the first thing that Boaz did was that he was kind. He was kind in the way that he treated Ruth in her gleaning. And, in, and he responded to, he had heard about what she had done, and he responded to her with kindness. He went on in the, throughout the rest of, of chapter 2 to give her even more benefits that would not be normal for just a regular stranger gleaner. And, uh, and so he was extra kind to, to Ruth because of what she'd done. Uh, he, she, uh, Ruth goes back to uh, Naomi and uh, Naomi is just thrilled um, to find out that it's Boaz at the end she says it's good my daughter that you go out with his maids so that you others do not fall upon you in another field you know these were dangerous times during during the land of israel um, these were this was the time of the judges where everybody did what was right in their own eyes it was um, it was a dark time and to be quite frank it was very dangerous for people in the in the position of naomi and ruth there was no man to protect them there was uh... Uh, even even Boaz alludes, Boaz alludes to that in um, in uh, verse nine of chapter two. He commands his own servants not to touch Ruth. So there's there's um, there's uh, there's a danger in being in a vulnerable position like Ruth was. And uh, and so Boaz was not only kind, but he was also he was also pr- gave protection um, to uh, weak people, to a person in a weak position that, that Ruth was and Naomi were. Well, Naomi's thrilled, and she's already starting to think if uh, beyond um, just the the day-to-day um, sustenance that gleaning would give, and so she's already thinking of of, of more long-term, um, more long-term uh, security, and so uh, there was provision for this. You know, you have to remember in in Israel, wealth was passed on from uh, to. Uh, it was not passed on to um, the wife. It was passed on to the nearest uh, the the son of the nearest relative. So, because um, uh, both both of her sons had died and her husband, um, Elimelech properly co- could not be passed on to Naomi. And so, there was provision for this in in the customs of the land that um, that an, another relative, male relative, could help. Um, the family not, could, could help the family still inherit and preserve the wealth they had and continue the family name. And, it was called, and that was called a, um, a kinsman redeemer. I'll just call it a redeemer from here on out. And so um, Naomi's thinking that Boaz, being a relative, can, can do this because Boaz is a relative of Elimelech. <coughs> Sorry. So she explains to Ruth how to approach um, Boaz to, to ask for Him to be their Redeemer. And um, without getting, it, getting into all that, uh, um, uh, the way that has happened, she did so. She discreetly asked Boaz, um, will you be uh, our Redeemer? Uh, in verse 10 of chapter 3, uh, Boaz says to Ruth, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear... I will do for you whatever you ask for all my people in this city in the city, know that you are a woman of excellence. So Boaz is not only going to provide um, uh, short-term um, food, he's not going to just provide protection. Now he's actually willing, he's willing, to provide an inheritance so that Naomi can, and so that Naomi's family can continue on and so that their property can remain in the family. And that's through bearing a son. Um, by Boaz marrying Ruth and, provide, and and bearing her a son or providing a son for her um, but there is, there is something, a complication there's a, there's a relative that's closer and you know I don't know whether they just didn't know about this relative I kind of almost find that hard to believe you know but maybe, uh, maybe Naomi because they had hit off well with Boaz and they knew how good of a man Boaz was they approached him first at any rate He's willing, but he's got to sort it out with the nearest relative. Um, in verse 18, Naomi says to Ruth, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Boaz never said that he wouldn't rest. You know, Naomi knows the kind of man that Boaz is. He's a man characterized um, by fulfilling his word. By, he's a man of action. He's not going to sit around and uh, let a week pass and then do it. He's not going to rest until he does it. He has a reputation for reliability, and he can be counted on. So, off goes Boaz. He goes to the city gate, to the place where everything that's happening happens in, in, this, in the town. And he finds his, this, this relative, and he says, uh, hey, come over here. He says, uh, um, I've been approached to be a redeemer, but you've got first dibs. Um, you want to buy this land, this land of Elimeleks. Uh And the guy said, well, sure, that's, that sounds great, I'll do it. Oh, by the way, says Boaz, you've also got to marry this, this woman, this young woman of, a foreign li- of, of Moab, and you've got, to, you've got to provide for her. You know, you've got to marry her and, and father a son. You know, that's part of the deal. Well, maybe I won't do that. So the guy backs out, you know, he's intimidated. You know, apart from that, that would just be intimidating of itself. You know, I just—I read this. I, re- I have to admit, I read this and I just cringe of how, you know. Also, there was a practical matter that if he had his own sons, it would complicate the, the will, so to speak, the inheritance, and so there were practical ways aside from, um, aside from marrying a stranger. So he refused. He says, "Buy it." He says to us, "Buy it for yourself." Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. its Naomi's sons moreover that died. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today you know, I just love the way verse 10 reads is because it it um it just shows that Boaz's motives are so pure um this is this is not you know in the past I have viewed the book of Ruth as as a love story and I've kind of had these romantic um goggles on when I've read it which I'm not discounting that but you know it never says in in here that Ruth was a beautiful woman uh, you know ex you know, on the outside, it never says that Boaz was this handsome, rich man. You know, and and although there's, you certainly can read in the romance. You know, it's, it's there if you're looking for it. But but the, <laughs> but the fact is the, um, and I'm all and I'm all for that. Okay, but but this time, this time, this time, when I read it, I realized that the love that's going on here is not just skin deep it's it's a sacrificial love, it's a love of action it's a love of of response where where Boaz is saving this family okay this is this is like this is like adopting um a crack baby you know this is like doing something that is this is above and beyond just um some old guy getting to marry a young gal this is this is this, the, the, the motives are all pure, and they're, they're all good. Um, you know, he went, he went beyond. Boaz just went above and beyond the call of duty of what he, was, of what he needed to do or was required to do. He didn't just provide for, for Naomi and Ruth so that they wouldn't be beggars. He gave them their family back. And, and, and without knowing it, he provided for... Um, the family that King David and then later Jesus came from. So so God used Boaz um, in a greater way that he even knew. It's even a picture of Christ's work himself on the cross, and that Boaz saved the family of Naomi and Limlech, just like just like Christ saved us, we wouldn't we were adopted into God's family and, and wouldn't be there without without God's work. I want to leave Boaz with just a little, just a little trivia, um, which I liked. You know, uh, after he says this, the, the witnesses say, um, they congratulate him and they honor him. They say, um, uh, may you achieve wealth and become famous in Bethlehem. And uh, I happened to read in my uh, Bible encyclopedia uh, that uh, there's a bro- there are bronze pillars on each side of, of Solomon's temple. And, and And they have names, they were given names, and one of the 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 pillar, the bronze pillar on the north side of the temple is named Boaz, and so you know I thought that was kind of neat in that they honored uh, several many generations later when that temple was built, they honored Boaz for his role in in, in preserving the line that that uh, David and Solomon came from, so he did have his reward, even uh, you know that 's just a small reward compared to um, to his his story being recorded in in God's Word, but but it's still a neat contemporary reward and honor that he was given there. I want to move on now from from Boaz to Joseph. If Joseph noticed and repented, then then, uh, Joseph believed and obeyed. Joseph believed and obeyed. I want to start reading in, uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they, before they came together she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Um, you know there's not a lot about Joseph in the Bible but uh, there is a lot you can in the brief words that are said there is a lot you can read between the lines and and for this situation um, I've always admired Joseph for for the way that um, he handled this whole um, this whole process of of the Messiah being being conceived and born in the earth and him being a a guardian and yet yeah being right there but you know he's involved but it's but it's but it's an awkward situation i mean think about it you're engaged to the woman of your dreams it's an engagement that unlike today is the way i understand it is it's kind of like a it was kind of like a a marriage where you're not living together and he's building his house the house that they'll live in and and um and and then, out of the blue, she's pregnant, and you know that you're not the father. You know, think of the emotions that would run through your mind um, of, of anger, um, betrayal, not knowing the truth yet. Not just, it's, it's just, it's there, it's on the surface. It's just the biological facts. And, and um, even before he knew what really happened, and this is what impressed me the most. That this is the first thing that impressed me about Joseph: is that he he did not want to disgrace her, and he planned to send her away secretly. I mean, it'd be bad enough it, even if even having even doing that, it would have been bad enough for Mary in that culture. But he could have extracted vengeance um, had he wanted to. He could have um, he. I'm not sure legally what he could have done, but the fact of the matter is when, when, you're, when you're, even in today, just, if you, if you are wronged and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, um, and you're betrayed that badly, uh, I mean, awful things can result from it. None of that crossed um, Joseph's mind. From the get-go, he planned to do right by Mary. He planned to, to honor her, show her mercy and grace, even before he knew what happened to her. Verse 20, while he was considering this, or when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Talk about going from one emotional, uh, difficult situation, (laughs) all the way to another. In a few brief lines, you realize that, you know, As he believed this and understood this, his wife's telling the truth, um, but she's also carrying the Son of God in her womb. I mean, you know, no pressure. No, don't worry. You know, that had to be very overwhelming. You go from being overwhelmed in one way to overwhelmed in another way. Joseph, verse 24, Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Even after he knew, and Mary knew, what was really happening, that, that the Holy Spirit was the father of Jesus, that would still not be easy to, to endure. You still, not everybody knows what you know. And socially, that had to be very awkward, to say the least. That had to be um, something that both he and, and Joseph would endure. That both that he and Mary would endure um, yet they did it they also sacrificed, and that I can see where they because he because he kept her a virgin until they were until um, Jesus was born, it actually effectively lengthened their their engagement, and they weren 't able to enjoy the benefits of marriage that they probably otherwise would have um, so this was all very. This is all something that, that was a credit to Joseph and Mary. That, it's a credit to Mary, it's understood through, I'm focusing on Joseph, but this is not to, not to diminish Mary in, in, in the least. The other thing about Joseph is that it didn't end there. After Jesus was born, started in chapter 2, verse 13, there was all kinds of action that happened later. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. Now, Tanya will tell you that I've been known to get a little huffy when we're trying to get out of the house and get in the van and go somewhere on a trip. You know, the kids are crying, we're running late. You know. You guys know. Okay? You know. Joseph Joseph obeyed. Joseph got up and took the child in the middle of the night, a little bitty child, and went on a journey to Egypt. And he obeyed. He did it. He didn't wait till he wouldn't wait till the morning or later. He obeyed and it and it and it saved their it saved Jesus' life. When jo, going down to verse nineteen. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, "Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead." So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Ar- when he heard that um, oh my, Ar- Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream. He left for the regions of Galilee, and he went to Nazareth. You know, over and over we see this pattern. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. The angel of the Lord warned Joseph in a dream. God warned Joseph in a dream. Joseph was the father of their little family. He was the leader of their little family. And, and God didn't go to, to Mary and say, you need to leave for Egypt. He went to, Mo, he, went to Moses. he went to Joseph. <laughs> he went to... He went to Joseph and he told Joseph. Joseph was the leader of the family in, the, in all these trips to Bethlehem, to Egypt, back to Nazareth. Joseph took responsibility for the welfare of their little family. Joseph did all these things from beginning to end with hardly any fanfare, without any glory for himself. He's hardly mentioned in the Bible. He, the last rec- The record of him is after Jesus went to the temple when he was still, you know, either a old boy or a young man, but now you look at it. He probably didn't survive until Jesus' ministry years. He probably didn't even see Jesus Jesus' ministry years. I looked for a poem or a song or something about Joseph in in uh in my books and and looked around, couldn't find one poem about extolling Joseph or singing Joseph's praises. The guy is just um uh you know, he has no narrative in the Bible. He's just there, um, but he was a leader of his family and he made godly choices that, that um, played a part in, in Jesus' Jesus's birth and therefore Jesus' um, death and resurrection and, and uh, being a redeemer for us. I'd like to start summing up by, by um, discussing some shared traits with Boaz and, and Joseph. You know, they're both from Bethlehem separated by a millennium. They both married young women. They were both redeemers in a way. Uh, Boaz um, saved the family of some widows, uh, while Joseph was a legal guardian of a so-called illegitimate, on the surface, illegitimate child. They were both upright, unselfish, faithful believers, and... uh, they exemplified traits of God himself. When we, when we look at Boaz and Joseph, we see how God really is. And for application for us, you know, besides the obvious um, example, uh, we, can, we can look to ourselves, and we can, we can also ask some questions. Uh, you know, for, for men in here, uh, both Boaz and Joseph were fathers. So fathers, are, are we being self-sacrificing providers for our families? Are, are we reading and teaching God's Word to our sons and daughters? Or are we outsourcing that or subcontracting it or not doing it at all? Are we complainers? Or do we instead encourage and build up our wives? I feel, I feel guilt guilt pangs every time I read some of this stuff because you know I know when I've blown it. Um, but... Uh, you know, I know that if I come home from work and Tonya's been um, teaching the kids all day when I'm gone and struggling with them, the struggle that that is, when the, and I come home and I'm complaining about my work day, that's not being a self-sacrificing leader of my family. That's, that's being destructive. That's not being the way God wants us to be. How about the young men in here? Young men, go around. Are you start? Are you cultivating your relationship with God, that uh, that um, a young woman of excellence would want to marry someday? That doesn't start when you're 22, or whatever age. Made that up. It, it starts. It starts right now. So if you have if you have any desire to be married, um, you better want to be. You, you need to be somebody who somebody's going to want to marry. And that starts today about young women who are you going to marry (laughs) they better be men like Boaz and Joseph don't marry don't marry people who who don't believe in God don't marry people who are selfish pigs (laughs) nothing's worse it's be better not to be married to to, it'd be better not to be married than be married to somebody who will cause you grief and misery the rest of your life Boaz and, and Joseph are examples of the kind of men that would will, that will give you a happy marriage because they, because they exemplify godly character. If you're married, uh, you can encourage your husbands to be like Boaz and Joseph. You know, if I've come home and, and I'm frustrated about something, um, uh, Tanya will say to me, well, have you, uh, have you talked to the Lord about that? Have you has anything in God's word struck you about that? And you know she's steering me from a carnal way of thinking, back to the way I should be thinking. Or how about this? How about, um, honey? You know the kids would love it if you'd read the Bible to them this morning before you go to work. You know that's not nagging. Okay, that's that's encouraging your husband to do the job he's supposed to do. That's encouraging him to be a Boaz and a Joseph. I'd like to close this morning by, by asking God to, to help us be like him, be like himself, be like Boaz and Joseph. There's, and I, I picked these people. There are many men in the Bible who were like um, Boaz and jo- Joseph also. Preeminently Jesus, um, who, was, who was self-sacrificing, faithful, loyal, and all the rest. Lord, I'm thankful for the examples in the Bible that you give us. For Boaz and for and for Joseph, who didn't look to themselves, at, and try to and try to make their own lives comfortable or look to themselves all the time, they looked um, they looked to people in need. They believed you and your good word. They did what was right, and they honored you by their actions. Lord, love is not just a, um, a fuzzy feeling. It's not just a, a pretty appearance on the outside but it is um, it is a right response and it is actions that that prove love and so help us to love each other uh, with a true love as you've designed help us to help us to recognize what you've done for us and to reflect that on people around us in the relationships we have lord we love you we love this season where we where we hear about um your son's birth. We thank you for that plan. We are just in debt. that It's a debt we couldn't repay as the saying goes, as the song goes. But uh, despite that, you loved us enough to save us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.